Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here with us today for worship. We are excited and glad to have Dawn Stover, um, who is the guardian ad litem supervisor for Cleveland County. She is here with us for worship today, and we're glad that you are here today, Dawn, and we look forward to hearing from her later in the service. I would invite you to listen to these words as we begin our time of worship this morning. These words may be familiar to some from Psalm 100. Join me now as we begin our worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We're glad that you're here with us today. And our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number 349, To God Be the Glory, 349. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
seated. Invite the children to come down for lesson on the steps. All right, Piper, let me get your pigtail here out of my way. Hey guys, how are you? All right. I want to read something to you from Psalm 139, verse 14. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful, and I know that very well. God made you, and aren't we glad that he made each one of us different? Yesterday, we had fun in the gym with snowballs. They all looked alike, didn't they, Wyatt? Yeah, I, I threw snowballs at you. Yes, you did throw snowballs at you, and Hannah dumped a basket full on you too, didn't she? Yeah, she got you. But we didn't see real snowflakes, did we? So I want you to look at my snowflake today. Look at here. Now, do you think all snowflakes look like that? No. No, they don't. They only, they sometimes have um, hearts. That's right. Sometimes they have hearts. Sometimes they have all kinds of shapes. Well, look at here. I've got all kinds of snowflakes. But today we're missing three, our triplets. Do they look alike? No, they don't, do they? God made all of us different. And that's why we're so wonderfully and beautifully made. We have to do and learn different things. We all learn to be special. We all learn to do what God leads us to do. Here's you one, Ella, look at there. Does it look like Wyatt's? No. I've got another one. See how special God can make a snowflake? But you know what? Making you is even more special because he has made you to be like him, to walk with him, to do for others. Do what? Sometimes they are diamonds. Sometimes they're circles. But they're all different, aren't they, Wyatt? Yes. Yes. And aren't we glad that all of us are different? Oh, how did I make them? Mm, That's a special secret, just like your magic snowman yesterday, wasn't it? All right. So just remember, you are unique. You are wonderful. And God made you so very special. Here, I forgot one for Piper. Let's see if Miss Ellen can get this one open. So Piper can have one too. All right, Piper, here is your snowflake. And you are wonderfully made. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for our wonderfully, uniquely made children. We thank you for their families, for this church. And that as they walk through this church, They walk and learn in faith. We thank you for them, for their families, and what they mean to each other. Thank you for making each of us special. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is hymn number 495, Step by Step. If you are able to stand, please stand and join in singing through this two times.
good morning once again. From time to time in the life of our church, we have church members who receive special recognition, and we've had one of those recently that I would like to highlight this morning. Many of you know and love uh, Dr. Bob Blackburn, uh, one of uh, a neighbor, a good neighbor of mine for a brief time, and um, still stop by and see them often. But he received a prestigious award just recently for contributions to public health. Robert R. Blackburn of Boiling Springs received the Carl Durham Award from the Association of North Carolina Boards of Health. The Carl Durham Award is one of the most prestigious awards given by the association. It recognizes individuals who have made an extraordinary contribution to public health at the local, regional, state, and national levels. Blackburn has been and continues to be an advocate for public health and co-authored a successful book used by boards and individuals wanting to learn more about health advocacy. Bob, we rejoice with you in your uh, recent award. Congratulations. This morning, as, uh, as many of you know here, missions is a very important part of our church, and missions can take on a lot of different uh, avenues, a lot of different directions. We talk about missions uh, across our world. We talk about missions in the United States. We talk about missions, we have a state missions offering, and then we have some local mission opportunities. Uh, the, the One of the, uh, I guess, the best here in Boiling Springs is their food pantry. And so we, we look at missions from all different perspectives, but another way of looking at missions locally is through some of the uh, some of the systems that are set up uh, within our community already. And one of those is something called the Guardian Ed Lightum Program. And this is something very important to me. Uh, by the way, uh, Dawn Moore, our daycare director, is a local Guardian Ed Lightum. Before I moved here, I lived in Stokes County, North Carolina, which is King, the, the city of King, right above Winston-Salem. And for about a year's time, that was all my schedule would allow, I was a Guardian Ed Lightum. And a Guardian Ed Lightum serves as an advocate for children and for families. And if we are, as a, as a church, seeking to be the presence of Christ, seeking to be on-mission Christians within our world, this is a way that we can do that here locally. And there may be some here in our church community who uh, maybe you recently retired or simply you have the time to advocate for children. But I've asked uh, Dawn Stover, who is the coordinator for uh, Cleveland County, the supervisor for Cleveland County Guardian Ed Lightham, to come and share a brief word with us this morning for our local missions moment. Dawn, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Um, usually when I speak to groups, I ask for a show of hands of who's heard of Guardian Ad Litem before. Wow, okay, so hearing of us and knowing what we do is two different things. So of those of you who have heard of us, how many of you are kind of aware of what we do within our community? Great, I see more hands than I usually do. That's exciting. Um, I knew I was coming to speak today and uh, you know, as a state employee, I don't always get to share my beliefs, but I'm going to assume it's okay to share my faith here. Um, I was doing my Bible study uh, yesterday, and this scripture, Philippians 2-3, uh, came up, and it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And I feel like that's my mission here in Cleveland County. Uh, the Guardian Ed Lighting Program is appointed to represent children who are in the foster care system. Children just like those five beautiful children who sat up here. So those of you who are families and church members who are connected to those children, think about times when you've had a chance to advocate for them. The children that I'm coming to talk to you about don't have that. So when the Department of Social Services determines that a child is unsafe, 
they have a judge sign a document that says they can be removed from their home. At that point, a court process is initiated, and that child has to have someone to speak for them in that court process. That's what our program does. Our program is appointed. Um, in Cleveland County, I looked at the numbers yesterday, we have 200 children in foster care just in Cleveland County alone, and around 30 of those children do not have a voice in court. And so uh, I recruit volunteers to speak for those children, and what that means is that they visit that child on average once a month. They talk to people involved in their life, like their parents sometimes, uh, their foster parents for sure, uh, social workers, doctors, therapists, and they gather information about what's going on in that child's life. And then I, as a supervisor, along with that volunteer, write a report to represent that child's wishes and needs in court. Um, that can have a lot of different meanings. I had a young man who was a teenager who wanted to go to prom, but his girlfriend was in South Carolina. And DSS said, well, no, he can't cross state lines. And so in my report, because I see those 30 children who don't have a volunteer, not as often as a volunteer would, I said, you know, this child just wants to go to prom. And the judge says, well, why can't he? And I said, well, because you haven't said he can yet. And the judge ordered that this child get to go to prom. And not only did he get to go, but the judge wanted to see pictures next time we went. It was a pretty neat experience. Um, so we get involved in things like that. But we also get involved in, how is this child doing? Well, they broke their glasses two months ago, and insurance won't pay for it for another year. Well, let's get some funding generated so this child can have glasses because they're getting behind in school. We get involved in things like what should their visitation with their family look like? Um, is, are their parents making steps toward improvement so that there's a potential for them to spend more time with their biological families? Has it been a year and there's no progress and we need to start looking at another plan for this child? So we get involved in a lot of different things. We don't have time to talk about all of that. I will tell you it sounds very overwhelming, doesn't it? It's not as hard as it sounds. If you think about your favorite television show and you watch it for one hour once a week, you could dedicate that time to making an impact in the life of an abused child. It's that simple. Uh, my volunteers would say they spend about four to six hours a month on their case. Um, and it's incredible the impact that they make in the lives of these children. Doesn't take any special education. Uh, we do a screening. Um, I'm gonna stay through the service and I'll have business cards that have our website. You can go to the website, learn more, a little more specifics about what the job entails and what the process is to, to go through training. It's 30 hours, half of that's in person, half of that's by computer class, um, which we'll walk you through. It's not as hard as it sounds either. Um, but this is an opportunity to make an incredible difference in the life of a child. Cleveland County is my mission field. Um, I've spent 14 years impacting the lives of children in Cleveland County, and it's the only job I've ever had that I would do for free if I could. So um, I invite you to come talk with me. It used to be that when I left a presentation like this, I felt like I had failed if I didn't have a list of names of people who wanted to train. But that's not always the case. Um, if you don't have time, you may know somebody that does. So tell them about the program. It's incredible the number of people in Cleveland County that don't know that this opportunity is available to work with children. Um, also, if you see uh, a community event that I could have a table at, that I could talk to people about the program, just giving me a call and saying, hey, have you thought about the Crossroads Festival, which I've done before, those types of things. Um, and the other thing is pray for us. Thank you for this opportunity. Y'all have a great day. The family of Chris Green has moved her to uh, hospice, and so I know you want to remember her entire family. Um, she's uh, Tommy Green's sister, so please keep them in prayer. And I know you want to continue to remember the family of Jerry Green as they continue to deal with his loss. Um, let's go to God in prayer at this time.
Expansive God, we gather from hither and yon to be today's manifestation of a faithful congregation, assembled to acknowledge you, to open ourselves to you, to awaken anew to your teaching, to your leading, and to your receiving of our worship of you. We come to praise you, and in so doing, we acknowledge that throughout all of our life, we are called to learn of your love, of your boundlessness, of your interest, not only in those who love you back, not only in those who know you or who give themselves permission to believe in you, but also in all other people. We pray today for those who are in need of your healing touch. You know their names and you know their needs. May they feel your strength and presence as they face the coming days. We see revealed in Jesus your caring and compassion for everyone, for anyone, for the whole wide world, for the whole wide world and beyond. Help us as agents of your word to speak your affirmation, to declare your yes, even for the least likable. Help us to live your love in our example, in our words and deeds addressed to others, addressed about others, that your will be accomplished and reconciliation accomplished. Show us the way to make the changes in our attitudes and our behaviors that will fulfill your will for our lives and for the world according to your vision. We ask all these things in the name of the one whose life we strive to emulate, Jesus, our friend and Savior. Amen. Our hymn is number 571, You Are My All in All, 571. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
pray with me? Dear Father, as we give these offerings and tithes today, help us remember that we give lovingly and generously. Help us remember that these gifts further your work in our community, not only in the community, but in the whole world. God, may we continue to bless each other. We pray that you will continue to bless this church and help us as we bless each other in your love each day. Amen.
Thank you, choir. What a powerful song and a powerful message. If you have your Bibles today, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And yes, it is on the screen, but I encourage you, as I've said before, I don't say it every week, but encourage you to bring your Bible. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And I would encourage you to bring it with you and have it with you. And there may be some things that you'll want to mark or take note of there in your Bible to go back to from time to time. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And this morning, to set the stage, uh, Jesus, a few chapters earlier, had been baptized. The Holy Spirit had come down upon him like a dove, Scripture tells us. And then the the passage, the chapter right before this, uh, we find Jesus in the wilderness being tested for 40 days. And following Luke's temptation account, we begin reading these words in verse 14 of chapter 4 of Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee... And a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Will you pray with me once again? God, may you add your blessing to the reading and the preaching of your word today. Speak to us in ways that each of us need to be spoken to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Those who know me well know that um, it takes a lot to get me down. Most days, I would like to think that my glass is half full. But I do have my moments, as we all do. And a few weeks ago, I had my moment on a rainy Thursday afternoon where my glass was half empty. Let me explain. I was meeting with Gardner-Webb, or was at Gardner-Webb all day with a group of pastors, and we had some wonderful conversation, and we began to talk about many of the things with our church or the church in general that we're encouraged by, but then we also talked about some of the things with church in general, church as a big picture, that concern us. And naturally, as one might think, our minds go to our own churches. And so I thought of uh, Boiling Springs Baptist that day, and as, as we are trying to find our place in this world, and as specifically as we're trying to find our place in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, what does that look like for us as Boiling Springs Baptist Church to be the people who God has called us to be in, in this town, at this time, in this place in which we find ourselves? Our church, like most today, are asking some tough questions. And one of those questions that we're asking is, what is our identity? Who are we? What is our identity? Well, following this meeting at Gardner-Webb, I, uh, it was raining and I'd been sitting most of the day. So I wanted to go walk and I walked over to the LYCC. And for those of you who don't know names of buildings at Gardner-Webb, that's the gym or the arena, whatever you want to call it. And so I wanted to walk around. There's an indoor walking track. And I was like, I just got to go in there and just do a few laps. I've been sitting all day. And if I go home now, you know, I might aggravate Renee too much with all my energy. And and I just need to go walk around 
walk some laps. So I did that. But I walked over there, and when I walked over, uh, I met Dr. Tony Eastman. Many of you know Tony Eastman. He was here some years ago. He's at Flint Hill now, and um, he's quite a character, full of personality and life. And uh, he reminded me that, well, Keith, you, you can't walk. There's a game starting in an hour, and you, you, the, the, the track here, you can't, you know, an hour before game time, you can't, you can't do that. I said, all right. So I talked with him about my day, and we got to talking about Gardner-Webb. And we got to talking about the transitions that Gardner-Webb has experienced over the last several decades. We talked about some anxieties and concerns, and there's a new president coming in soon, and that will be announced. But we came back to where I left the meeting with the pastors just a few moments earlier, and we were asking the question about not only the church that I love, but also the school that I love. What is our identity? What is Gardner-Webb's identity? Who, who does it want to be? Well, following this conversation with Dr. Eastman, I found myself going home. I guess to, uh, hopefully I wouldn't aggravate Renee too much since I didn't get out my energy that I needed to get out after sitting all day. And I came home and it was to an empty house. And maybe that was best since I needed to, to get out some energy. And I thought, well, I need to, you know, I have been, uh, been, been tied up all day and uh, maybe I should read the news. And that'll lift my spirits, right? Uh, so, so I looked at the news and I realized that we were no further along in the uh, debate and, and discussion about immigration and all of that and both sides were digging their heels in even deeper and it just, it wasn't a, a good day uh, to be reading the news, especially for me. But it, it's, it's there on my couch on this wet, rainy afternoon, Thursday afternoon. I'm now, I've been thinking about the church that I love and, and a search of, and sense of, finding a sense of identity. I'm thinking about the school that I love and finding a sense of identity. And now I'm reading the news about the great country that I love and it is also asking the same question. What is our identity? Who are we? I was having a glasses half empty kind of afternoon on the couch on that wet, cold Thursday afternoon. Because again, it was getting close to the weekend, so it's raining, right? Uh, we're blessed with a wonderful weekend this last weekend. But here in Luke 4, Jesus is now back in Galilee. And according again to the scriptures, the time, Luke's timeline, he's just returned from his 40 days of testing in the wilderness. And Luke tells us that a report about him had spread throughout all the surrounding country. Now, when you look at this up in the Greek interlinear, what it says, it's quite interesting. It says, the Greek says, a rumor went through all the neighborhood about him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, a rumor could be true or could not be true. And so it gives us this idea that people are trying to figure out Jesus. They're trying to figure out a little bit about his identity and who he is. Luke continues to tell us that Jesus was now back in his hometown synagogue. Okay, he's back at his home church. After this time of testing, he's back in Nazareth and back among family and friends and neighbors, back among faces and people that he knew well. Uh, maybe his eighth grade algebra teacher is sitting out there. And so these are people that, that knew him well. And yet Jesus stands up to read. And when he does, he's given the scroll. He's given the book of Isaiah. And scripture says very intentionally that he turned to specifically the passage that we read just earlier that was footnoted in your in the larger passage, which was Isaiah 61, verse one. And he read the beginning, he read all the entirety of verse one and only the first half of verse two. And by reading this Isaiah text, Jesus was proclaiming not only that he would be, a, that he is a royal figure, but he also has a prophetic mission. 
into this environment where all the attention is on him. He later pauses and says, today, scripture has been fulfilled in, in your hearing. Now, he's in an environment where, and next week we'll see this in Luke's gospel, in the very few verses right after this, a couple of the verses, he says, the, the, the people in the synagogue ask, is this not Joseph's boy? And yet he's saying these things. This, he grew up here. What, what, what's he saying? Why is he saying this? And they're, they're a little confused. But it is in this moment, in this place, where Jesus further establishes his identity to those in the synagogue. If there's any question about who he is and why he came, he's beginning to talk some more about that. And it's here, beginning in verse 18, where Jesus tells all those present more about who he is and why he came. He first says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's the same spirit that would later come at Pentecost to all believers. And it's now, Jesus says, on him in the sense that the spirit of God is upon me. It's the same spirit that descended like a dove just a few verses before our text today at Jesus' baptism. And it's the same spirit that led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And the same spirit is one with Jesus as he stands to read a text that will serve as his mission statement, a text that will further solidify his identity. What exactly did the text say? Well, let's go back to it. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, for those living in the margins of society. To those Ruth Ann Reese says, who's a professor at New Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary, she writes, in Luke, the powerful and the rich are sent away empty, while the hungry are filled with good things. Those who are at the bottom of society are the spirit's chosen recipients of good news. She goes on to say the good news that Jesus proclaims and, that, and thus the good news that Christians proclaim must be good news to the poor, to the economically disadvantaged and to the marginalized of our society. So not only has the spirit of the Lord anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor, he goes on to say to proclaim the release or liberty of the captives. An Old, an Old Testament captivity referred to Israel's exile, but here many believe it refers to Israel's sin. To, to proclaim the release or liberty to the captives, to the recovery of sight to the blind, Jesus took an interest in people's suffering, and we see that all throughout Scripture. We see this lived out, especially in the Gospels, and Jesus, as he's going from place to place, as he's healing along the way. He also says to let the oppressed go free. Those who are oppressed by sin, those who are oppressed by a destructive lifestyle, those oppressed by life experiences, by fear and by worry, I think we can all identify with that. The image here speaks to both the physical and spiritual realities. And then he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is often understood as the year of Jubilee, this 50-year period where all debts are forgiven, where the land rests and where um, people forgive those sins that or those uh, freeing slaves and restoring relationships. It's a significant event in the life of Jesus' audience there in the synagogue in Nazareth. Most importantly, the year of Jubilee allowed for a new start and a new beginning, a total cancellation of sin to all who would respond to his message. Haven't you been there? I know I have. When I've needed that new start, that new beginning. Ruth Ann Reese from Asbury writes, we can imagine a hometown congregation filled with all the characters of the village. Remind, now think of this, the rich and the poor, 
seeing in the blind, the oppressed and the oppressor, and wonder what this liber- lib- liberation looked like for them. Did they anticipate the, news, the, the good news would first come to the poor and the prisoner the, and, the, and the oppressed? Or did they think it would come first for those with inside connections, the rich and the religious? Jesus, Jesus offers them good news. Will they hear it and receive it as good news to be shared with all? As Jesus is clarifying his own identity here to his hometown audience in Luke 4, he's also clarifying ours as well. For if we claim to follow the ways of Christ, if we desire to be like Christ, then Jesus's identity should also be our identity, shouldn't it? This is a game changer for us, church, as the people of God. It's not about our dress or our musical styles or the numbers in the pews or many of the other things that we want to make it about. It's like what one anonymous commentator said, it's about understanding more of God's vision for a world where we strive for making things right. It was Fred Craddock who said, this event announces who Jesus is, of what his ministry consists, and what his church will be and do, and what will be the response to both Jesus and the church. Now that Jesus has stood and proclaimed this prophecy from Isaiah, and then the scriptures said he went and sat down among them. And I think that's significant. We don't need to move, we don't need to just ignore that, what it says in the passage. Jesus said what he said, he didn't leave the building, but he sat down among them. In today's passage, we learn about Jesus's DNA, if you will. We learn more about what Jesus came to do, and as we seek to be Christ's followers, we should seek to measure our lives against his. As Christians, we are Christ followers. If we as Christ followers seek to be more like him in our daily lives, then the things that shape the identity of our Lord should also be shaping your identity and mine and the identity of his church today. We have so many voices that vie for our attention that are seeking to establish more about our identity with that particular voice. And we hear these voices every day. We read them on our screens and we listen to them as we go about our day. There are so many voices vying for the lives of our children, for our, our small children, for our youth, for our young adults. I ask you, church, today, what voice are you listening to as you begin to shape your identity? If we want our identity to be more like his and more like our saviors, are we listening to his voice and are we, like Ellen said in the children's sermon, a great summary of this message today, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. The rich, the poor, different skin tones, different experiences, different countries, different nationalities. We are all, as God's children, fearfully and wonderfully made. Are we listening to his voice to help establish who we are and who and what we are to be about? I ask you, church, where are you today in taking upon yourself the identity as one of his followers? Are you, am I, are we finding our identity in Christ? Will you pray with me? Lord, as we seek to be your people, as we seek to be your children, Lord, help us to listen to the only voice that really matters above all the others, and that's yours. The scripture tells us that you were, the spirit was upon you and anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to release the captives, to the recovery of sight to the blind, and to announce the year of the Lord. 
Fathers, we think about that last passage or that last phrase that you said, announced the year of the Lord. We're reminded in that 50th year, the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven and the slates were wiped clean. That a new start could begin for slaves, for those indebted. And so Father, tonight, today, we ask here in this congregation at this moment, Lord, if there are those that need to have their debts forgiven, their sins wiped clean, And Father, I pray that if there are any today that have never put their trust in you and have never asked you to forgive them of their sins, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, if there are others in this place today that have been listening to voices within the world, and Father, we are struggling, maybe some in here are struggling with their identity, and Lord, remind us today, Lord, as your people, your voice is the most important. Allow your spirit to move and to work and help us to find our identity in you, the one who created us the one who reminds us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, speak to us. Lord, if they are here to any today that would desire membership here at Boiling Springs Baptist, I pray that they would, today would be the day they would put their faith and their trust in you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing, We Are All One in Mission, hymn number 269. If you desire to respond, the altar is open. I would be happy to, to receive you and pray with you and talk with you as well. Let's stand and sing together. We are all one in mission.